Hey, welcome to uh, what we did call one point down the rabbit hole with heavy metal baseball. Um, and it's, it's like anything else, we're going through a lot of uh, an evolution of sorts because what Robert and I determined is we got not tired of, but we don't find it nearly as interesting to talk to guys that always just think the way we think. And so the last couple, uh, including this one right here, we decided to go kind of a different route and talk with people. They can educate us on things that we don't quite understand. And if we start doing that, we'll have podcasts for eternity because there's a million things I don't quite understand. Um, but today we have Chez Angeloni on the podcast to talk to us about his philosophies on hitting. And we're just going to have a conversation. Chez, hey, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. Happy to be here. Um, yeah, number one is we go one-on-one. Kind of tell us about you, what you've done, where you're at, and we'll start that way. Yeah, I was going to do a quick little background, right? So my name is Chaz Angeloni. I'm, uh, I'm from the Philadelphia area. Um, usually with these types of things, you kind of go into the, the whole background. So I'll go back to I grew up being a multi-sport guy in the Philly area playing baseball and ice hockey mostly through my high school days um i went on to play baseball at johns hopkins university and this is where things some people who might know me know this but other people who just kind of know me as a i I guess a guy on hitting twitter don't know this that I, i was a pitcher i was a pitcher in college and uh had a great experience great little career at at hopkins and went on to play with the Red Sox as a pitcher in their farm system after uh, school. And then since my college days, since my playing days, I've been exclusively in the, the baseball industry. Um, I guess much like yourselves, uh, I started with a youth sports organization that I played with as a, a kid, uh, Wiz Kids Baseball. It was a very successful um very uh there's a great place for me to this might sound bad but experiment and sort of uh work things out and just kind of uh foster my passion for development and and whatnot um that and you know continue to sort of like myself chase it and rehab and 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 uh, develop myself in my post pro days trying to still be a, a major leaguer um but a- anywho that that uh that quickly transitioned into opening up uh baseball pds or player development systems which is the uh the private um training company that i run now um so th- that's kind of the, the 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 baseball arc um as far as, you know, who is this guy's multi-sport guy from the Northeast, went to college, it was a pitcher, um, played minor league ball, and worked in youth, worked a youth, uh, basically a travel select team, and started a facility. Uh, each steps along those ways, lots of, lots of personal growth, lots of stories, lots of, lots of intricacy, but that's kind of, that's kind of the, the who I am. Um, the, the obvious thing would be since a, we're, we're talking hitting here today, um, how that kind of started for me was, I would say, when I was uh, when I was coming out of my playing days, we're kind of wrapping up, or you know, 
they'll say the writing's on the wall. And, and all the while I was coaching and doing a lot of coaching, um, I was blessed to be around a group of guys, a group of young, young high school age kids and, and, and middle school age kids that were just super passionate. And I should say the parents really, because that's what kind of, when you have those, and you guys know this, you run facilities, but when you have really good parents, good kids, um, a lot of good things happen, right? You, you want to do better for them and it just kind of all works, uh, all works together. But um, there was such a good group of guys and I had been sort of so far into figuring out how to develop the arms and stay healthy. I wanted to avoid surgeries for kids, wanted to, all, all the good stuff and uh, that sort of thing. Um, I, I felt a, a strong urge to apply that perspective to the game in general, just fielding and, 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 and hitting. Um, I grew up as a shortstop uh, or middle infield guy that also pitched. So it wasn't too far ago for me, but I didn't hit in college. Um, I quickly started to shuffle through, you know, former friends that were hitting coaches or hitters and, you know, talking about getting everybody in that I could be, that could be the hitting version of me, so to speak. Um, but every single time that turned into us after hours and before hours, just, just whacking away at it and trying to, trying to figure out what we're doing and, and, and improve stuff. And before I noticed it, my peers that were pro hitters and my, my um, other, you know, sort of other hitting coaches there before I, I knew it, guys were asking me for feedback on movements and whatnot. And I quickly turned into a movement guy. And that sort of, um, this sort of gave me a lot of confidence to, to pick up the bat and say like, well, if these guys say they can really hit and I was, I'm not a huge guy. And so I don't like necessarily, you know, want to get in the cage necessarily with like guys that can really swing it back in the, at that time, but it gave me that confidence. And then since I picked up the bat, then, I would just hit for days and I'm still not like a, a big guy or anything. And I'm probably definitely not going to, you know, impress anybody, but I've swung the bat. I would say at this point, as much as anybody swung the bat, as long as you, anybody's career is I've taken a, a lot of swings and um, that would be, that's what, that's where it really changed for me is when I started hitting, I started swinging, I should say, and mentoring young hitters. And then just in that process of doing it every single day for maybe like 10 years, you just get into it to a point where it's just a part of part of the game. It's very natural. And I'm at this point, just super comfortable uh, just tagging myself as a player development guy or just a baseball development guy, whether it's, you know, skill specific or it's just mindset or whatnot. It's just sort of that, that everyday lifestyle baseball stuff and just getting exposed to things and, sort of that kind of overall experience, but that's going to end up getting long-winded. I can go, I can, I, I, I kind of do want to touch on one concept, but I guess the, the thing that kind of well, makes me passionate uh, about what I do. Sorry, can you guys see? I was just going to say the thing that kind of makes me passionate about what I do. And I'm sure you guys as well is where the game is right now where we're in this area where we've got a lot of, we've got a lot of growth minded people and the, the industry, everything's growth minded. People are open 
or it, it, it would certainly seem so, at least, you know, if we go back to 10 years ago. And I think we do have to thank the pitching community a lot for that. And, and just, you know, the world at large is the way things, things are going. But for me, that that's really where it started with me. It started being a pitcher pretty early on. I got away, certainly not like the kids today, but in my high school day, or I should say in my college days, I went from being a pretty average stuff-wise pitcher, and I don't want to paint myself as like, I was never that great, but I went from being a pretty average stuff-wise pitcher to researching things on my own, ultimately kind of falling into the Ron Wolforth camp at the time when, just like anything else, you know, Kyle Bodie's driveline baseball has got everybody doing X, Y, Z. You go back to the Wolforth days, and you were kind of like people are looking at you sideways. They still, everybody's always looking sideways. And I certainly still feel that, but I was a guy that was chucking the ball as far as I can. I was watching, you know, I was watching, watching Alan Jager YouTube videos and just looking at the throwers and be like, I think I can do that. And just took that to my college, all my free time in college. I was just throwing the ball as far as I can, pulling it down, chucking med balls, getting into sort of my, 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 my base finishing back chaining and just, just doing it myself. And just like everybody does these days, you know, do yourself experiment and, 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 and reassess it. And I ended up getting myself an opportunity. I gained a lot of velocity, get myself an opportunity to play pro ball. And then and I guess that just stuck with me. Like that's, that's a part of how you do things. You look into things and, and, and whatnot. And, um, yeah, anyway, so for a few years there, I, I've just gone very aggressive on the pitching front. Uh, I flew my butt out to Seattle and I was throwing weighted balls with Kyle back when he was in an attic, you know, just kind of like a crazy person like that. I think the, the best part about baseball today is there's a lot of crazy people like that. And I think that's why there's a lot of good stuff in the game right now. But I just saw that that wasn't necessarily being applied in the hitting side. And I'd come across guys like Tukes and even Chaz Pippen at Baseball Rebellion. And I was like, these guys are just moving athletically. And, uh, you know, and I got a bunch of kids and we just started going after it. Uh, but that was a while ago. That was a long time ago. But um, I'll stop there because – <laughs> well, segue into, yeah. into the net and like our next question. So you kind of have a unique hitting philosophy. Uh, you kind of described it as a rear leg or one-legged hitting style. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Could you just describe? Like we we just don't understand it, and so that's why we wanted to talk to you. Is we we just we just want like a, a chess one. Like how do you? Like, what's the philosophy behind it? How would you go about maybe teaching it to somebody? Why do you think that system is maybe a little more beneficial than, um, you know, having more like ground force on your front leg? Um, you know, if it, and feel free to jump in uh, and and like, you know, question any 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 methods that you've heard. Like, we just we just want to we just want to learn from you at this point. I do want to interrupt because I want to say. Yep. First coaching fight I ever got into was after I audited some. Obviously, I'm older. Uh, I audited Rod Wolfer's camp, 
So I just called him, called him up and said, Hey, can I come down there and just watch what you guys do? And he goes, yeah, sure. And so I walked, I drove down or flew down there twice, met him, Brett Strom. I was like, these guys make a ton of sense. And I started implementing that with my high school players. And then every facility guy, I say fight every facility, you're going to blow the arm up. What are you doing? And oh, yeah. it's just kind of interesting to see, uh, to hear another Ron Wolforth guy, because uh, Kyle and Drama have taken over that scene largely, you know, kind of by volume, yeah. by social media content, and rightly so. I mean, they get a ton of good stuff. But, yeah, you know, my first foray into, you know, I was a small high school coach. Uh, sometimes when you have a real small high school and everybody throws 60 poo, right, you start looking for ways to make kids not because you can't go just go grab another arm. And I have 400 kids in my program, right. 15 kids in my program. And uh, that was my first introduction to it, which was, uh, I guess, probably kind of got me down to a, a rebel way of thinking, right, which kind of leads me to sit next to Robert Riggins now, right, or like you said, a different way of doing things and makes you go, how many different ways can we do things, or what ways are we potentially missing? So, uh, yeah, my interruption. Glad to meet another Woolforth guy. That's actually this far away from Houston, Texas, too. Yeah, right. <laughs> Philadelphia. <laughs> um, actually, I played a summer in Texas. I played for the Coppell Copperheads in the Texas Collegiate League. So that got me even closer down there. Uh, that, that was after I'd sort of gotten into those things, but. It was so interesting to me. I, that's, you know, I'm now in Texas and that's where I got, I would say, sort of a lot of heat as far as like baseball coaches being like, I was doing too much of this and I was, I was trying to be Tim Winsicum too much. I need to find my identity. And I'm like, yeah. I was throwing 84 a year ago. Like we're good here. And I'm, all I do is pound the zone. Um, not that, Texas is closed-minded in that sense or anything, but, you know, I thought they liked big fastballs, and that's what I was trying to do. I had but, the uh, same, I had the same college guy. We went back and forth. He goes, you can't make all these kids Tim Lincecum. I'm like, I'm not right. trying to Tim Lincecum. Like, no, they just can't move like that. That's why he's called the freak. I'm like, you know what? If we're all yeah. about this thing, like you're either born with it and the rest of us are screwed, I just can't abide that. I can't look at my kids. I just can never do that. Look like, hey. You know, Jimmy's got a 90-mile-an-hour arm. You don't. So, you're screwed. I just can never abide that philosophy, you know. 100%. So, but at, uh, I hijacked Robert, which is what we do. Again, your philosophy and, and our, yeah, around so the, and, and, and have at it. Yeah, so the the, the philosophy, I guess, you know, I, I, I don't necessarily shy away from talking about, like, a hitting philosophy. I think um, – I think in general, you know, people get good at talking about hitting. Coaches get good at giving clinics and seminars and having conversations, doing Zooms and podcasts and meetings and whatnot. And you get really good at doing a lot of different, you know, talking at your sort of your brand. You might be, maybe you're an approach guy, maybe you're a mechanics guy, maybe you're a data guy, maybe whatever, whatever it is, that's your philosophy. But at the end of the day, you know, it's what the hitters are doing. The hitters you're working with are doing. Um, so, there isn't anybody that, and it's my kind of way of saying like, there isn't really anybody that doesn't have a philosophy. You all have sort of philosophies. Um, so if I was going to kind of be a salesman guy and say, what's my philosophy? You know, I try to study the game very closely and use that as my barometer. I want to always compare to what the best are doing. Watch the game really close. 
and always learn from it. I, I don't necessarily think, uh, I, I, well, I do think there's plenty we can bring to the game to continue to move it forward. I think mostly what we're, what I'm trying to do uh, on a daily basis is I'm trying to bring things to the game to strip the game away and better understand it. I think the, the, the game, the way it's played at the highest level, I think we just need to get better at understanding that game and, and, and make me communicating it to a younger generation. I don't think we need to necessarily change the way things change the end result. If that makes sense. Like basically uh, that's kind of my way of saying, like, I think the best hitters of today and yesterday, maybe not like all the way back. That's a, a conversation that hitting coaches always get into. It's like, whatever, but just, you know, I think the great hitters today and like the last 20 years are all generally great. And I don't necessarily think like uh, we need to do anything other than like really observe them and get better at, get better at producing that caliber hitter. Um, Maybe produce that hitter one more time a year or whatnot. Um, So it's like my philosophy is observe the game, study the game and try to, Oh, duplicate it but um as far as like the one-legged uh, rear-legged stuff those are those are all things that come from that observation and uh i guess i'll take in a quick little stroll around like just like it came from the, the ron wolfworth camp in baseball you know there's a time where i was doing mike marshall throws like literally throwing the length of a football field like like you know marshall mike marshall's where you you counter turn your, your, your shoulders and uh, is basically you, you, like you're making a pickoff throw to second base. People know it now it's just the pivot pickoff throw. But that's one of those things that people see that old school pitchers see pitchers doing that. Like, what the hell are you doing? But it's like a super common thing. And it was a common thing a long time ago. I was throwing baseball as far as I could like that, which if you went and saw it, you'd be like, what is this guy doing? mostly because of the follow through like when you when you when you counter rotate if you keep your right foot on the pitching rubber and you counter rotate to throw let's say at the second base bag for a pickoff but you don't step off you just turn you stay keep your feet there and you throw imagine that throw to second base imagine throwing it over the batter's eye you're going to throw that thing you're going to really generate some some separation and some 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 finish and your finish is going to be pretty aggressive and that's what people tend to see. And that's like, what, what's he doing? But uh, I'll get back on track. <laughs> uh, anyway, in, in the hitting world, I had gotten into this sort of belief system using the same observation, using the same sort of mo- motivations and passions. I'd gotten into uh, quote unquote elite swing mechanics. And these things, they're just, they're so stigmated. It's fine, but they are, you know, it's like, oh, it's the elite swing mechanics, the elite pattern, this like, but it's like, okay, the, at some point, someone's selling something that's fine and it's gotta be, but just take the information for what it is. What is the information discussing? It's talking about the commonalities of great hitters. All, every hitting coach, if you're a decent hitting coach, you're talking about the common, commonalities of great hitters. The great hitters have commonalities, but I don't care if you're, uh, if you're if you're if you're Craig Wallenbrock, you talk about the commonalities of great hitters. That's the philosophy. And there's once you once you decide that, you, then it's always about this like filter. Like, 
Well, one of the commonalities is they're all standing at the plate. You know, they're all, they all, you know, stand at home plate when they hit. Okay. We got that, you know, and, and it just goes like, they all try to make contact with the baseball. It's like, where, how far are you going to filter it? But um, the philosophy, you know, over time, I, I, I sort of learn, um, I guess you could just say by experimenting and constantly absorbing information. Um, there was a time period, I don't know, maybe eight years ago or so where I had just kind of, a, I just kind of transitioned pitching to hitting. I wanted to get guys, get their motor up. I wanted them to move faster. I wanted them to use momentum. I wanted them to rotate more efficiently. I wanted them to generate more bat speed. I just wanted all these things. And it was very easy to train because, uh, you know, I had already kind of learned all the, the, all the things that are difficult during that, the mentality, the mindset, the culture, the attitude, the, 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 all that. I'd already done it. I've been already doing it with pitchers. Everybody I was in my groups were already conditioned that way. It was just like hitting was just kind of like in a library. So we just like said, no, hitting's fun now. And then they went crazy. Um, and, you know, do simple stuff like tracking exit velocity and, uh, you know, put the bats down and pattern movements in and then translate it over to the, to the cages and whatnot and uh, constraints, heavy bats, light bats, all the, all the stuff. I was pretty, pretty aggressively um, implementing those, those sort of concepts. And that was just me translating my pitching knowledge to the hitting world. Like this has to, um, and uh, some things started happening when I started, I started working with more advanced players and ultimately worked with some guys that on a closer look, they weren't doing what I was going to have them do anything close to it. Um, they were looking at the players I was working with who were, I would call them at like young prospects, but like impressive for like kids, like kids hitting like a hundred mile an hour exit velocities, like 15 years old, 14 year old. Like now it's not uncommon, but like, Whoa, what's that? It looks like Donaldson, you know? And they're like, so you're getting a pro that's curious about a 15 year old. And, but when I look closely at the pros, like this guy can hit like this 15 year old doesn't look like that. There's something going on different with this guy. He's certainly not exerting that kind of effort. He wants to hit more home runs than pro ball. Um, this high school kid hits a ton of homers, but does that, what's the gap there? Like, is this high school kid going to be like, you know, first for overall and like going to be like the next coming or does this guy need to move this way? Um, and I was stuck in there in that space wondering what the heck to do. And, you know, the players, I've been so fortunate most of my career, like players really just maybe because they're so qualified from social media, by the time they do get to meeting in person, they're like ready to rock and roll. But their trust was there and, and just kind of had the opportunity to experiment with guys and, um, and learn a lot. And uh, I guess I would say I started getting to a, a little bit of a different concept about when the swing happens. And that's when everything changed for me. So once I started to identify when the swing happens, but by, by working with a little bit more advanced player, I started to, I started to put a check on my, philosophies and started once it was time for me to say oh wait a second once i had that self-realization like you actually got to do a lot more homework and i was swinging the bat all the time and i just thought my swing looked a little off because i was like a noodle you know not because like 
I couldn't hit because I was crushing the ball, you know, just like uh, doing pull downs and throwing hard. It's like I'm throwing 90, 90, 94, like something's working. I used to be throwing 85. So, and same way, it's like I can hit a hundred mile an hour, you know, line drive. And then, you know, the, the trolls are saying, well, can you hit it in the air at that velocity? And like, it's like, you know, I'm a pitcher, <laughs> but um, uh, so swinging all the time, but then I, I, I finally kind of got that reality check. And then uh, a good friend of mine, Richard Skank, decided to troll me pretty aggressively, like he trolls everybody on Twitter. Uh, that's Teacher Man 1986 on Twitter, and he called like one of my best hitters very amateur. And I was like, "All right, buddy, let's go." And we started going at it, attacking each other. And I was so sure that this guy was clueless. This guy didn't understand the, the body, didn't understand the way the body moved. He's he's just a, a big bully and all this and that, and this and that. And, you know, for about two years after, I guess he called me amateur, I slowly, I, 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 reflecting, I, I thought every time I, I thought I knew something, I, I thought I knew it. But I would say for over two years, I slowly and surely started to realize what the heck this guy was calling me out for and what I should be, what I could be doing. And it took, it took ultimately probably like three, four or five years to really understand. But I thought I knew like a week later, I didn't. And then I thought for sure I knew three months later, I didn't. And uh, it's interesting because I've kind of lived in my experience, I lived like the entire psych psychology of like hitting Twitter. I went from like, I've been like, like completely like, everybody loves this guy when I was working with kids, like, with like the inner game of tennis, like very external environment, just like these guys are rocking balls with just a few haters. And it's just the old school guys to this guy, teacher man's trolling me and the sort of uh, now we're doing like kind of weird stuff. Now we're doing constraints and now it's like, what are they doing? They're like always doing this loading. What, what, what are they doing now? Everybody's trolling me. Um <laughs> But I, I guess real quick, I should get into the, the, the general idea is looking at the commonalities of great hitters. Um, there's a little too much focus on the swing itself and not so much, not enough the position hitters are swinging from. So by understanding that all good hitters, and this is where guys – discussions start to open up because you start saying these things like absolutes, but we're talking about the commonalities of the best hitters in baseball. They all swing from weight back. Um, that doesn't mean they don't get forward. There's a difference in getting forward. There's a difference in forward momentum and shifting weight. And I was using a weight shift to power the swing. I was using momentum to power a swing. And I learned how to swing from weight back. I learned how to create resistance in the swing and learning th these things changed my perception, changed my ability to analyze and, and, and study hitters. And, and it really, I would, I would say my, the way my philosophy has changed over, over the years, it's really when I started to feel different and see different or, or feel different, I, things changed completely for me because uh, it was like an accelerator. Everything I was doing, um, my filter for learning, my ability to communicate, um, my ability to help someone, my ability to understand what they're feeling 
everything just improved for me by me opening up a different way of moving, right? Like, um, as I, I know that's odd, but like, I, I didn't realize how much I was coaching style on one movement pattern all the time, even in throwing. And then I felt a, a, a different movement pattern. I felt not using my momentum. And then all of a sudden, now I was able to differentiate. That's what I talk about all the times, like people learn by differentiating and being able to differentiate, differentiate something all the way down in that, 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 that sort of baseline movement pattern or the, that common denominator of, okay, this person is shifting their weight and blocking and rotating, shift, block, rotate, and feeling what that feels like. If I feel that and that's all I feel, that's all I coach, I can coach a bunch of different ways and get a lot of different – I can get that pattern really clean and quick and effective. But I don't have the, the framework of understanding something – a different movement. I don't even know there's a different movement. I just know there's differences inside moving this way, and I want them to do it more efficiently this way. Um, and then, boom, I, I experienced a different way, and I can't, I can't really describe it, but <laughs> – it opened up my my filter to the game in a big way where I could really study the game. And I guess that kind of doubled me down. I started studying the game way more. I thought I was always observing the game and studying the game. The last five, six years, I've been you know, just obsessed with the, studying the game, just watching very closely and saying, wow, what are they doing? How are they doing it? And really trying to literally recreate it, not sort of recreate it, not, and trying to abs- absolutely recreate what the best players are doing, whether it's on the mound or um, in the box. Uh, so, but again, guys, I'm sorry <laughs> as far as time and, and just going on and on and on, but like the philosophy is study the game and, uh, you know, figure it out. Well, that, you know, I, I, I sometimes I think I title uh, when, kid, when guys come and see us, I say, Here's our, here are things I think I think. Right, and I can appreciate that. I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to say anything. I don't want anyone. If someone said, "What is your philosophy?" What everybody's looking for, really, in that question, a lot of times is, "Tell me what camp are you in?" Right? Are you on the swing right. down? Are you in the backspin line drives? Are you what camp are you in? Because that is uh, that's easier for people to identify, and then they can try and pick it apart. But I think you in the same the same way. What camp am I in? I'm in the camp of learning as much as I possibly can about what's going on inside the game of baseball. And so that way, if I get pigeonholed on a single philosophy, then I have no opportunity for me to change my opinion of what's happening when the information changes. Um, and that's, I mean, and I think that's, and I, and I appreciate that from you. I, mean, I don't want to be this guy, right? I may subscribe to these, but I don't want that because if the information changes and I'm known as this guy, I, I can, it gets real hard for me to even tell my own clients, look, we're going a different route now. Why are we going a different route? I thought we were novel ball guys. Well, I read, you know, no, we're hitters is what we are, and we're athletes, and we're going to do things athletes do, we're do things that hitters do. And when we get better information, we're going to update our systems, and we're going to train that way to better reflect that. So I, I can appreciate what you're saying. Unfortunately, in the social media world or the world we're at right now, or the world for parents or players looking, they're looking for sometimes they think they're looking for a guy that matches – right, a style that they think works. And as right. a, to understanding how athletes move, how bodies move, 
and adapting what you're doing around how that athlete moves, which kind of goes to our third question that we sent, which was, you know, kind of what your philosophy is, is, um, is this, this is style for everybody. Is it for the five foot two, 10 year old that's 80 pounds and six foot five, 230 pound Superman guy. I mean, is this style fit all ages, all stuff, uh, kind of walk us through that. Sure. Yeah. I'm glad that was the next question I forgot, but that's like perfect for the response because it's, it, you hit me on the head. People want to put you in a camp and that's all fine, but it's really important for me. Um, and I'll be able to kind of round out because that philosophy talk, man, that was so vague that I went crazy. Right. I guess I did more of like the, the your background in the philosophy talk than actual philosophy, but um, as a, for me, the, my, my, what the philosophy is, is launch quickness or quickness in general. I say launch and then I immediately trigger all the old school guys, but it doesn't trigger any progressive guys or new or just modern time guys. But quickness, everybody should be able to get on board with. Launch is just talking about the, the concept that like the swing's launched. It's not necessarily over time. And that alone is sort of a line in the sand for a lot of people, but that's just, that's the philosophy. So it's about quickness. And with quickness is uh, the concept that you store up a load, store up resistance and you burst suddenly. Think of a balloon popping. That's a really good one. And it's like the balloon's inflating and boom, that's the swing. Uh, just think of letting an arrow loose. Um, you store up the load, you're holding the load and it goes. Um, or a slingshot. The, the, all those concepts explain launch quickness, uh, the release of stored energy. That's ultimately what I believe uh, through experience, through studying, through helping hitters. That's what the, the best hitters create that sort of load and launch. Many different ways they create that load and launch. And that load and launch, that concept, as opposed to pulling the arrow back and then trying to drive it forward or, you know, deflating the balloon. Uh, the, the balloon analogy it, it only works for load building and then release so it doesn't really translate to other stuff but it's important for me because i work with everybody um not everybody's looking for my philosophy and that's fine now i'm not trying to impose a philosophy on anybody but anybody i work with I'm going to work on moving them towards certain concepts. I'm always going to move a hitter towards quickness. I'm always going to move a hitter towards loading early, getting the load out of the way, getting, feeling what it's like to have the load complete. Basically, I want, you to, I want you to learn as a hitter to be ready and waiting with the load complete. Uh, I guess this is in a video podcast, but I'm holding a bow and arrow position. But I, I want you to learn to be ready, waiting to release the swing. And most guys like that, what does that mean? But like movement stops, load is complete before you make a decision. When you're, when you're shooting an arrow, and this is something I want to get into archery, I'm not into it, so maybe I'm talking out my butt, but um, when you're shooting an arrow, you're taking in the target the whole time. You're loading and, you know, taking in information. information. You're not just like flailing about, you know, you're taking your time but you're not only aiming at the very end, you're aiming the whole time as you're loading. It's an ongoing thing. And then the load completes, but you don't stop loading. You're still loading. 
and then it releases. That's a perfect analogy, in my opinion, for uh, hitting. But the, the how that meets the road is often really complicated because it's like, all right, well, we have a bat and there's a ball, not an arrow. Um, but in general, I'm always moving hitters towards quickness and, and towards suddenness. And suddenness is the ability to burst, um, to, to, to store the energy up and release it all at once. And that inevitably means taking a momentum away from hitter all the way, all the way away to the point where they're a statue, just like a release of an arrow. If you can't generate force, really tremendous force from a standstill, then you haven't really learned to build load. And that's something I know without a doubt, because I can take someone who doesn't, has never done it. And they're like, what the heck? And I can teach them to do it. And they're like, oh, and that's one of those things where it's like, oh, what about, what do you, what's objective about it? It's like, Every single time that someone learns it's objective, they know it. It's not, there's nothing, there's no, the way you know is you teach someone did it and then they do. And that's as objective as it gets. It may not be uh, for the whole world to see in a study, but it's not like a complicated, like subjective thing. Anybody on the planet can do that. They just have to do that. And that requires learning. But the fact that it can happen means it, 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 it it's, repeatable or you can replicate it but um those concepts they all work for everybody and you got to meet people where they are and some people they have no interest and that's fine there's always something um that you can improve with a hitter you got to meet them where they're at so most often it's something to do with being smooth and continuous and being quick and trying to teach hitters that you can't have a two-part swing it's a one-part swing and figuring out where in the system something happens is the hands or the hands the sort of the outlet that are chunky right now, clunky, and they're, they're jamming up the transmission. So he can't be smooth. Is it the weight shift? Is it the turn? Because uh, I teach rotation as a reaction, not as a do. Or the, so, but I, I, I want, I want hitters to get rotated extremely fast, like, like a burst of a, a balloon. And I want them to do that by getting a load out of the way and learning how to, to go from that load. But the trigger of that rotation I teach it as a tilt, basically like a slap shot, the move the, to, to take a slap shot, how, how a, a hockey player gets the, the, the blade of the stick down to the ice. What does that feel like? That feels like a tilt. And that tilt is the same tilt that I identify as the, as the sort of the starting action to trigger the legs in a swing, the teacher, trigger the rotation, um, which, uh, which I mean, it, it's tough to do on podcasts, but that gets into all these different conversations like you were talking about earlier, lead leg ground force and whatnot. And that's where I would say, no, I don't, I don't think it's in, uh, it's certainly in my philosophy. I wouldn't be, uh, I would move hitters away from trying to produce uh, force in the ground to their, their front side, because I want them to be doing something already, have something already ongoing and, and be able to create tremendous force, all the force they're going to need. And the, the act of getting to that front foot is deflating the balloon. And I want them to just inflate the balloon until boom, it goes. Um, so it's just like, it's to me, when we're talking about the front foot, we're just, we're just, we're just, I'm inflating my hands here, but we're just stop. We're just like saying like, Oh, we're going to inflate the balloon and then wait and then get to the front foot. Like I want to teach hitters, to constantly crescendo, right? They're always building until they go, building till they go. And when you have that front foot comes into play, that's 
and then the front foot and then and we're not we're losing the the building until we go we're losing the release concept and that goes all the way back to that hierarchy sort of hierarchy of mechanical principles like of mechanical efficiency like we want to be quick and as soon as we're not quick then something else is now um driving it right because yeah. We can keep going. We can keep going. No, I, no. I, you, you mentioned, you know, like you're saying, like, because the intent. Yeah. Oh, you had mentioned like the ground force stuff, and I think it kind of helps segue to the next question. That, like, we've noticed kind of observationally that coaches that have like similar hitting style to kind of what you share on Twitter tend to not use yeah. technology or be very. I wouldn't say data driven, but like it doesn't seem like they use data or tech very much, or or if at all, is that fair to say or, or we miss I think that's fair yeah I think that's definitely fair I would certainly I would certainly say I fall into that category but I would say it's definitely fair because why do you think that well I would just I'll just use myself an example and, and Richard Skank right because he'd be the most visible person that also does the same philosophy I think a lot of people I don't want to I'm not throwing anybody under the bus or anything but there's a lot of people have hit with me have hit with Rich and things happen now Actually, people develop yeah i want people to take pieces everybody takes something i don't care you know but at the end of the day what rich is doing and what i'm doing we're not we're not trying to like teach you a certain way skank's initial website was called hitting illustrated and that's really the 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 the, the focus is like hey i want i want to help your eyes i want to help you see what's going on here i want to illustrate the differences and that's what it is. And if you have a way of actually doing that, come on, let's do it. But what the weird crap that you see going on, there's a reason. There's always a reason. And that reason is like super well thought out and hacked a million times. Like no one's just, no one's, uh, there's something very specific trying to be achieved and it'll ultimately be applied in the swing. And if you can get that done, God bless you. And let's see it. Well, that's where you always see uh, hear the show your swing, post your video, whatnot. It's like because we genuinely want to see it. I genuinely want to see. I will listen to anybody doing anything anywhere. If they, if I see the certain, if I see the 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 movement in the hip socket that I want my hitters to have, I don't care if you're not playing baseball. If I see it anywhere, I'll literally go to you. I will fly to you. I will get the. I want that. I want those elements. So I don't care if you're you're playing wiffle ball i don't care if you're in europe i don't care if you're playing cricket i don't care what it is if you're creating these elements i'm 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 literally combing through your social media i've got your personal account i've screen recorded everything you don't have anything online that i haven't looked at i'm trying to get in touch with you and if i'm looking at your if i'm looking at your doing what you're doing it's, it's just a filter i started the game I study what, what the hitters are doing. I listen by all means, but at the end of the day, I want to see what they're doing and I can see things that are good and that's fine. And I can see things like, okay, we need to get this, 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 that's good. But when I see something that I struggle to get on a hitter and it's being executed, I mean, I go into, I'm full student mode. Like I'll literally, I want to know everything you're doing. Um, I'm back to square one. I'm willing to, you know, what I've learned, I've learned. I can always go to square one when I feel like I need to learn something here. Um, or when I've identified when, for me, that's the trust thing. 
is the ability the ability to we'll say to simply duplicate it but that's where the, the trust comes you have my trust now i'm all ears and you say hey man you got to be 50 50 i'll go huh i really think you got to be one-legged but this guy is doing something gets gets hitters to do something he's got him 50 50 i'll like maybe we'll get one legged at some point i'll just be 50 50 and i'll be all in on it um but uh as far as I know you said the, the data, but as far as the data goes, uh, tech, I should say. Yeah, just like, I mean, it's, it's, fair, it's definitely fair. Is it, is it like, I, and I feel like I've heard Richard mention this a few times that he feels like, and, maybe, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, and I definitely don't want to speak for him, uh, but like, the, they just know how, like, people who use the tech just know how to measure what's going on in the swing. They don't know how to duplicate it. Like I feel so, so said before, and correct me if I'm wrong. No, you're right. No, it's, it's all about that, that. Part of the issue with this is um, Richard and myself, we both have gone on record, I guess you could say many different times saying certain things like to the effect of that is useless and that is useless and that's irrelevant. And that's, because we mean it, but like it might not be useless or irrelevant to everybody, but we think it's useless and irrelevant. And, um, you know, inevitably when you saying that out loud, especially like hitting baseball, Twitter, you know, it's not like you're just saying it out your window, like it's going to get around and then people are going to start to put up barriers against it, especially if they're using it to their advantage at the, at this point. And then it gets to the point where it's like, Hey, you're anti that. Well, I did say that. So that's the thing, but it's not necessarily that black and white. I should say, like, I haven't always been that way. And it's not like I'm, like, in the dark ages. Rich, you could say, like, this guy's just, like, 67 years old. You know, he's got his uh, Air Monarchs and his, and his cargo shorts. You could be like, ah, oh, this guy doesn't know tech. Rich is pretty tech savvy. I would say he's more tech savvy than me. Maybe it's because he's just, like, a, a, like I don't know why. He's a pretty tech savvy guy. Like, not like, you know, I went to, I know like literally computer science engineers, like it's like, it's not that, but he's way more tech savvy than you would think. But at least for me, I'm obviously able to sort of interpret what's going on and, and implement things and use them. And I was exposed to these, these things before they were mainstream in the game. And, you know, like obviously diamond kinetics and, Zep and Blast, they all come with reps years and years ago to put them on sensors of kids. Like, I, as a part of the process, and even in the, the, the R&D of the product before it's in the mainstream. It's just not something that uh, I think can deliver useful information for the development or even the, the, even the, the, the evaluation of a hitter. And I think a lot of times we can start to, you know, you start making the metric the goal. Um, and I think that's really that's really the the root of the 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 issue. The issues are, in my opinion, um, optimizing for exit velocity. Uh, I think that's the biggest one, and we can talk about that. I can talk about it all day, but I think that's the biggest one that's um, sort of problematic at the time. And you got to always keep in mind, like nobody really does this everybody's everybody kind of agrees with this concept as a whole like you should teach the kids the same thing we should teach the big leaguers right like i shouldn't say everybody agrees with this but i certainly think like you should you should learn i don't i don't want to teach even eight-year-olds or 12 year olds i may teach them differently but i don't want to teach them something 
different than like the big leaguer. Like that, that to me, that's just weird. That doesn't make any logical sense. Why would we even do that? Obviously you have to meet the eight-year-old or the 12-year-old where he is. You got to find ways to communicate. You got to find ways to make them, them learn, them differentiate, them feel. But I want them doing the same thing. I want them going that way, right? Um, so it's really important like that we always have this like big league viability barometer. And when I think of exit velocity, some of these, a lot of the, a lot of the, a lot of the data, it's like, it doesn't quite compute and we can go into the actual nuts and bolts of it. The plain and simple truth of it is like, I just, I don't often see, I, if we go back to the observe it, I don't see an observation anywhere where that data is producing what I see in observation at the, at the big league viability level. I'm not, I, I want to, I don't kind of walk around that a little bit, walk that back a little bit, but this and that. I, but think, like, obviously, I think that's a good point. Like one of the, the big things in research has been like most research is conducted with amateur and college players. It's yeah. not conducted with professional players. And so that's kind of been the knock. And I thought you made another fair point that using tech like that, you sometimes get to the point where you're just chasing metrics. And while you may be able to like, swing the bat 80 miles an hour inside the cage that might not necessarily be functional inside of a game atmosphere. So I, th I think, I thought that was a pretty valid point. Some valid points that you made. Thanks. Yeah. No, I mean, that's, uh, if you think of it, a common sense, just from a common sense standpoint, like there's first off, like we can, and what even, when we are talking about tech, what are we even talking about? Like, what are we even talking about? Talking about a K vest, like all these things are products and they're great. That's great. But like, they're not like, these are, these are just, I mean, they're mainstream products. They're not like, they're not high tech. There's nothing super special about a lot of this stuff. And it's like, mm, the KVS you know, doesn't have anything on the rear leg. Like I'm talking, you're talking guys like a rear leg. It, you don't have, so what are we measuring? And so really it comes down to like, what are we actually measuring? And I said this to uh, somebody very recently, like someone's like, well, don't you just think it's so like when people talk about good movers, good movers, or what's good movement? And I said, like, I gotta stop you right there. Like, we get to this point where we just start to, we start to think we know a lot of things. Like, we know that, we know that, we know that. Like, when did we decide we know what good movement is? Like, even if we just go into the movement culture alone or the strength and conditioning world, you go into any world. We, we always reference golf. What about golf is like, what about golf means we know the direction we're going. The entire golf world is riddled with tons of different philosophies. But all the, all the data and stuff in golf is not like created like a clear path. People are doing it all over the map, crazy different ways. And you have, sure, you have old school guys that are starting to come this way. And you have crazy new guys. And you got like the Bryson DeChambeau, whatever. But like there's no, there's definitely like, there's almost like more noise, right? There's more noise now. Like what is actually better? Now, how are we defining better? Club head speed, consistency, like just major championships, major champ like that kind of thing. But what is what are we actually talking about when we talk about either movement or tech? Because who, who decides that, right? Like even just the, just take strength, for example, like you have, I mean, if I look at strength, like obviously like in baseball, it's like, I guess it's like the Cressy model, right? Which is like the Stuart McGill, like neutral spine. And obviously like, there's like, we, everybody's always learning, right? Hashtag always learning. That's a, 
that's, that's a great one. <laughs> but there's, but you have all these different influences in, in movement. Like then you have the Franz Bosch schools now, now completely come to baseball. Like that's completely different right there. Okay. Now you're in a camp, right? What's your philosophy? You're Eric Cressy or your Franz Bosch. Cause you can't be both. Can you? No, one of them doesn't work. One of them does work. If you're either of those sides and it's like, now, so we put sensors on those guys. What is it telling us? At the end of the day, like we're hitting over here and that's fine. I'm all for all the information, but like all the information I need to do is, and if we want to run an experiment, go ahead and do everything I need to. And this is where I can use the scouts, the scouts of yesterday. I need the guys with experience and I'll trust myself all day. Now I need to look at it before and after. And of course I can look at it ongoing and I'm smart enough and I can, I can sort of, I have enough experience to know that things can look ridiculous and sort of, I can see what is maybe happening and like qualify stuff where someone from the outside might be like, no way, no way. So I can even look at everything with a grain of salt or at least try to like, I could, I'm, I'm, I like to think I'm enough aware of my bias to try to check it. Right. And to like objectively be on the side of like the truth and try to figure it out, but we can just look. Okay. We can, we can use all, all this data, any, anything you want, but like, I need to look at the hitters and I can look at them in the cage setting and the game setting and over time too. And then I just, the, we can just decide, you can decide, improve, progress, improve, progress, what elements, and that's it. And if those elements, if, if these, if these implements and these, these approaches aren't giving us to that major league viability, if I just look at, and that's where we'll say it, I'll say it all the time, put it side by side, just put it side by side with Mike Trout. Just put it side by side. It should jump out at you. There's something underlying there that you're just completely ignoring. Everybody, and it, uh, when you, if you watch videos I'll post on Twitter all the time, it's like everybody, people make fun of me. It's like talking in this real sultry voice, like doing an analysis. Like, yeah, I'm just giving a voiceover. And the voiceover is trying to emphasize the importance of everything that happens prior to the actual swing itself. And stop analyzing the result of the swing and like the after heel plan of the swing, because that's where the differences are. And none of the tech, none of the tech is in any way uh, analyzing that or even looking at it or even able to differentiate it. The knob sensors, anything to do with the bat can't tell us what the body's doing when it's doing. Anything to do with the body has no ability to, to, to tell us. And this will be hard for a video. But if you just do this paper football, can you guys just do that real quick? How would you, if we were doing this, if we were wanting to build an experiment, like what would we maybe do? We can measure the distance we flick paper footballs, but like this is this is that sort of burst concept out of resistance. Like, what is that? What are what is happening there? Like, how do we measure what's happening there? Like, and and obviously when we're hitting, like this isn't the body isn't just like two fingers but we got to get that or i'll say i want to get that element out of the out of the hitter's body but how do you measure that how do you measure what that is like like are we trying to measure the distance of the, the ball we're hitting and and uh, or the paper football we're hitting so it's like where's the you know there's a i don't measuring resistance is a very complicated complex sort of thing that it's way more complicated than i think we're capable of doing and whether it's force plates whether it's k vest whether it's 
blast sensors, whether it's, I mean, the slow motion video, that's a whole separate topic, but all these tools are available and you can certainly put them all together. But uh, in my opinion, um, I don't think any single one of them or together can give you the information you need to develop yourself. Uh, so I think it's just, to me, I think the, 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 the data world, the tech world is still trying to catch up to, to the, the hitting world or find something viable for the hitting world. Um, I will say like <clears throat> game-like type practice probably has the potential to be the biggest sort of like, but it's not really tech, is that tech? Um, but we've got to get through, in my opinion, at least all of the monstrous collateral damage, I think that happens from it. I think there's so much problems. There's so many, so many collateral sort of uh, with the compete mode uh, challenge variability stuff that like we've got to hone in on doing that extremely well. And to me, unfortunately, like when I say these things, like everything depends, right guys? But it's like, I just want you to swing well first and then challenge that. And it's like, well, what happens if swing well is the phase we're in like exclusively forever? Like I can't just swing well. Like if I only dry swing and it's like, well, I'm just practicing my dry swing. Well, you're still not executing it. Well, for some people, like that might take years. So it's like, oh man, like we got to hit, right? So like that, that's why that doesn't work, right? You can't just be like, oh, we got to take this good swing and then we got to challenge it. Well, how long is it going to take you to take a good swing? We're talking about major league viability. Like you don't just pick up the bat and do that. You don't just, so, and people are all over the map with where they, where they are. Um, so that with the tech comes the concept that I'm a big sort of proponent of block practice. I'm not, not, you know, I think everything comes with the, uh, uh, a big old depends on it. And I think, I think there's variability um, in everything we do, every single thing we do. Um, and I don't think like, for instance, like people that would say have different philosophy for me, like when, whether it's like Franz Bosch or, 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 or Nikolai Bernstein, like these things, like they don't not happen, right? Like intent organizes, we're going to organize for the, the task at hand. That's going to happen. So now who, we'll say like, oh, who's setting up the best design, right? The best uh, problem to solve. But just because I'm doing block practice doesn't mean that, that that's not working for me, right? So and my intention on the T, just because it's like, I just think that every time someone talks about that, they always just naturally bias it. They're like, oh, I'm just doing the same old thing where I can be super successful. No, I'm on the T being very deliberate my intention i haven't i haven't executed once in a hundred attempts there's nothing about this that's feel good nonchalant just because you go you, you have high school practice and people are like oh just, yeah i experience that all the time hitters aren't focused they're just whatever yeah that's never going to work but there's a time when you lock it in and you're working and you're in block practice and that's very very productive and we don't need to we don't need to like overly like downplay those elements because that that's really the, the, the answer in my opinion for how to properly do variability and challenge. You have got to control the controllable and there's way too many people that are just going into the line of fire and they're finding a solution. And that thing is, that thing is way downstream and we're not, we, you're not able to, to, to get better when you're in control of variables. You don't know what you're doing. And that's a, it's a dangerous place to be is a, uh, uh, I'll say it like this 
as a really advanced prospect, because as you're going up in the game, at some point you're going to need to. At, at the end of the day, like, unless we're talking about it at that high of a level, what's it really matter? Like, we want to have fun, build great relationships, have great experiences, that's it. Like, unless you're going to be a major leaguer, unless we're talking about major leaguers, like, let's have fun, let's have an absolute bat blast, let's hit with our guys. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm sorry, guys. I'm getting... you're, you're fine. We were what's just... the time check? What, what's the time check? How far? We're well over, but we'll do this last one and, and we'll wrap it up because, uh, uh, you know, I'm sure the people who are passionate about hitting it are going to love this. Uh, but my mom's not going to listen to this, unfortunately. She just she doesn't understand. No. <laughs> but excuse, me, excuse Robert, me. Sorry. One of the things that Robert and I have I've asked just about every guest around the act of hitting is uh, why is it you think the pitchers are winning right now? And coupled with, and, and why do you think hitting is so far behind? That's that's a great topic, isn't it? This is interesting too, because of like what I was talking about with my kind of arc. The first thing I like when I try to unpack that, I think like let me first try to really think like are pitchers winning? Like, okay, I guess, would you guys, would we all agree that? Do we have to say that? Like, Well, I mean, if you base it just off of performance data, like strikeouts are continuing to climb and league-wide batting averages are continuing to get worse. Right, so we're going, that's, we just got strikeouts and batting average. Um, yeah, 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 velocity is up. You know, guys are throwing harder than everybody. Velocity. Yeah, more yeah but so, you know, <laughs> look, I'm not like, I'm not going to be like arguing for wins over here, but like, when we look at the game as a whole, the way I see it, like it, whether development's working or not, like I, I want to see teams or people differentiate, like just separate themselves from the pack. Like in baseball, like it's such a copycat league in, in, in industry everywhere, college, everything. Like, okay, so where's the dynasty? Like someone's got to be better at developing these things and there's a dynasty developing or something, something to that effect. And I guess that is sort of the case, right? Like people follow the Astros or like, you know, like that's how it happens in baseball. But um, I'm not saying that pitchers aren't winning, but isn't that clear? Like I would say like certain things about the pitching side of things make it very, 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 sort of in your face that they're they're winning the velocity like holy crap everybody's velocity is going up and the stuff wow the stuff's getting so sharp um and we're still not sure really about the injuries so like the injuries aren't exactly like dropping off the map so um that's still a, ma a major thing for guys right like uh, if you're running if you have a team like you need him to pitch those innings he's not pitching those innings if he went from if you know if we Tunnel them better. Doesn't matter if he's on the on the you know DL. Um, so, but obviously, I'm not trying to sit here and just be argumentative. Okay, pitching better, <laughs> or is developing faster. But it, it's it's important to really just like break it down. I think, and not just be like, oh yeah, and then why. Um, but I think a big reason why is, uh, and for argument's sake though I'll, what if i say this like are we better at developing starting pitchers and starting aces like did we develop like the degroms of the world like he's clearly like unreal but like are we doing that like or are we really like a 
and I don't, I'm not saying this negative about anybody, but like there is a tendency, it does seem like we're developing a little bit more of a reliever type guy um, in the game or like a short sport. Maybe the game's just changing like that, but the, there's those sort of, you know, I'm from Philly. So like the, the, the Roy Halliday, RIP, but the, the four horsemen, like Halliday, Hamels, um, that, that sort of Cliff Lee and Oswald, like that, that type of staff, like this, like some, uh, I don't know that, you know, everything about the pitching world is where it should be. I don't necessarily think that it's just like clearly ahead. I do think the hitting role is behind, but I think, I think it's lagging behind, um, and I, I think a bigger thing, a bigger issue for me with the hitting world is that it's almost like it's like we have to stop regressing. So I think I see a lot in the major leagues where good hitters come up and then they regress and they start moving differently. And I think it's super important um, to, 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 I think it's more important that instead of we try to level up, that we stay the course, so to speak. If, if that makes sense or not said, of course, but like not drop off because there's fun, huge fundamental differences. I, sorry, I would take too long to get right into it, but like there's huge fundamental differences, proactive versus reactive uh, elements in there. And um, obviously the data or the tech for pitching is applies much more because you're in control. Um, you're releasing the ball. Whereas, you, you know, it's just a ball back collision for a hitter. Uh, the hitter's just trying to figure out when. Um, the, the, the pitcher knows when the whole time. You know what I mean? So there's a big difference. So there's a huge advantage for the pitcher. Um, and the stuff is a lot nastier. I think the hitters are so under a lot of stress because the stuff's a lot nastier. You're just constantly being attacked. Um, the other thing is, like, I think the hitting world is just full of noise. And I don't mean to offend anybody in that sense, but, like, if you're a hitter, it's really difficult right now. I think you're almost better off. And, again, I hope I don't – you know, just some people aren't going to like this, but you are really better off as a hitter, I think, if you can really handle the bat, if you can really swing it. Let's say your dad taught you or something, he came up, you could hit. To just almost better off like being uncoachable and just being like a hardo that like don't even bother with him, but he's the best hitter. Um, and then just let the game, you know, naturally develop you further and further. Because what happens, I think, is the big problem that happens, I mean, it happens on both sides, but Players start learning something new, something progressive, something good, something that's going to help them. But then they're no longer doing something they're doing. They're doing something else. And inevitably, inevitably with hitting, because there's such a high degree of failure, you know, you're going to fail more than you're going to at least three out of 10 times and we're happy. Right. So, but because let's say I'm changing my movement pattern, I'm, I'm literally changed the way my body prepares. Let's say, uh, you know, I don't know what you're doing to do it, but like, maybe we're, we're working on like efficient rotation or something, whatever you got someone doing. Now they're doing that. Now that's how they generate force. They used to do it one way and now that's how they do it better or worse. They're doing it different. Um, everybody experiences this. Then they go and fail, whether they're failing all the time in the cage and you're setting, or they go and fail in the game. At some point, every hitter is going to fail. and They're going to start to feel lost and whatnot. When you're not the guy, you're not in ownership of what you're doing. You don't know the ins and outs of your swing. That's a big problem. Obviously, you can rely on people, and that's where we're, we're good at building out systems to help hitters and whatnot. But that's the biggest thing. In the past, hitters were really, really 
took ownership of their own swings and it still happens to everybody is taking ownership of what they're doing they're not people aren't like not intelligent about what they're doing but a lot of times guys start making new, new movements and now they have to troubleshoot new movements in the in the line of fire and that's just a recipe but for a lot of you know spinning wheels you're going to be moving backwards you get you got to be out there when you're out there it's got to be done it's got to be laser locked in like obviously you're not always going to be right all the time but you have got to have so much work under your belt to compete at the highest level of the game your baseline where you show up every day has got to be so consistent that it's it, it just it's it's and it's got to be so simple so something complicated has got to be consistent and simple by that point and uh it's really difficult to do that when it's not something you should really feel like this is something natural or you've done it your whole life or it's just something that's innate or you can feel it because if you think about it like if you're a professional hitter you've done this thing your whole life and you you're there for a reason right so like the fundamental shouldn't change so much uh, that, that it seems completely foreign to you, but there'll be days. I mean, we, we can all agree, right? Like there's going to be days where does it feel normal holding this bat? I don't know what I'm doing. Like this is abnormal. But I think that the, the biggest reason that hitting is, is sort of behind is because of that, that player ownership. I think uh, there's enough information out there these days that, if you're really serious as a hitter, as a player, you can, you can get super all in and you can become your own coach. You can become, and obviously you're always going to have support, but you can, there's no barriers today for anybody that really wants it. Uh, that wants to, you can just, I mean, you can do all the work you need to do um, and you can get all the support you need to get. So it's, to me, it's, it's all about player ownership. And I'm not calling hitters out. I am, I guess, right? But if you think, look at the pitching side, like that's how the pitching side changed. Like there were some guys that took extreme ownership and like were willing to like take the punches and everything that goes with it. And they just powered through. And it was a little bit easier. It's a little bit easier for a pitcher because you're like, dude, this is going to work. Like I'm in control of this. I'm nasty right now. This is what I do. You're not telling me how to get ready for this game. This is what I do. Um, you know, like if you want to say Trevor about just long tossing pull to pull like what are you doing like he got run out of arizona they got rid of him next thing you know uh, the, the the indians are doing plyo balls and everything right so similarly in the hitting world uh i think the hitting world's still waiting for hitters to take that level of ownership i think in general it's a little bit different you could be that confident as a hitter but like mike trout like who's that confident as a hitter bregman Bregman's like a little bit like he'll talk about it maybe. Like Trout's probably the most confident hitter, but he's not going to be like – he's not going to tell you what he's doing, exactly what he's doing, and like try me, buddy. Like he's not – like, you know, Bregman's like whatever he keeps showing with his knob, he's like, I just do this, and then he'll talk shit to somebody and they'll go compete. But I think in general, it's the hitter, hitter ownership. Is that answer – is that a good answer? Yeah, I don't know why it is, and I, I, you and I are are 100% aligned. Every kid that we work with or I work with, I don't care if they're nine, I don't care if they're 19, I don't care if they're playing college baseball. One thing I tell them eventually is, listen, when they say play ball, it's you in the box. It's not me in the box. It's not your coach in the box. It's not your mom in the box. It's you in the box. And if this is not your movement, then it's never going to make sense to you. 
if you're up there trying to search for a movement that I told you or a coach told you, and they mean well, we all mean well, right? Even if times I've given bad advice to people, I have meant well. You know, we all mean well, um, but it's you. It's the loneliest place to be, a pitcher or a hitter. It's just you in the box. And, and you know, you start taking ownership of your swing, right, or, or the movement. And I, I hadn't thought about that. That's, that's really interesting to me. I hadn't thought about that, why pitching or hitting may be lagging, is the failure to own your own swing or always looking for an external source to define you what your swing is. That's I think that's a really good point. So, uh, you know, and I'm obviously the redneck on the podcast. Like Robert said, the, the hillbilly, you impress this hillbilly down in Texas. I like that answer. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> But, so guys, I know I, yeah, I know that was it's been a lot. Oh, uh, are we over that time limit? I don't want to. We're hey, we're right at it where we like to be, and a lot of information yeah. to digest for the people who are going to listen. to This we really thank you for coming on because in the world of hitting Twitter or in the world of social media, uh, two or three guys don't er, rarely ever get together and just discuss where they may be different if they are different at all. Uh, in, in a manner where they can have uh, this this format to just discuss it as freely as they possibly can. So we appreciate it. Uh, I definitely learned some things about what uh, you and and, and uh, teacher man do that I I wasn't aware of, right? Because it's hard to cut through the noise of social media. Um, that maybe I'm more aligned than I thought I was, or, you know. And 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 hopefully our people on our end uh, that listen to this thing that may be hesitant to adopt any philosophies that you guys have listen an open mind to hear what you guys are doing and i think you did a wonderful job explaining everything uh about where you're coming from and i really appreciate you coming on well that, that was great to hear i mean thanks for having me i felt kind of i feel a little bad that i was i don't know i just got so long-winded so many times you <laughs> asked like four questions and no i, I, I think you did a good job and uh i think it's kind of funny because you said you were a pitcher. Like that's what I was. I was a pitcher in high school and in college. And like I've been a, I've literally just been a hitting coach for two years. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> Don't you? You're gonna get tweeted at after this airs. It's oh, I, I yeah. I don't. I don't care. Like when <laughs> I when I got the job for the Brewers, the first thing that happened is all these dudes trolled me because of my high school head coaching record. And they were, oh man, how did you talk to Brewers at the high you when you're the worst head coach in the state of New Mexico? <laughs> That's so rough. <laughs> and, I'm, and I build roads for a living. So, uh, you know, the, the back, the backgrounds, you know. Maybe, so, you guys are, de- yeah. So, you said Amarillo, Texas? Yes, sir. Yeah, Amarillo, Texas. I would love to be, I would love to make a visit to the heavy metal. Uh, cage in Amarillo. It gets uh, weird. If you've seen any of our, our social media stuff, it can get weird. Yeah, we get trolled quite a bit too. So, hey, so yeah, exactly. Well, I guess that's that. Uh, that's something I think we can all get behind, right? If you're not getting trolled, you know, what are you doing? You're not doing anything right, you know. So, in some sense, if you got nothing but enemies out there, it's like, huh. And to tie things all the way around, like. I do remember distinctly having that feeling when I was initially probably about seven years ago or something arguing with teacher man and he was attacking me. And I was like, this guy doesn't know who he's getting into it with. I'm going to, I'm going to just lay this guy out. He's got no idea what he's talking about. Um, 
there's a part of me that, you know, ultimately got focused in on what I didn't understand. I didn't understand. I'm big on, you have to understand both sides of the argument, plain and simple. Like if I don't really understand your side of the argument, either we're not having it, the discussion's not happening, or there's no ground game. We're not having a productive conversation. So we can talk, talk, talk. We're dancing around, not actually having the discussion or the debate because I don't understand. There always is a quote unquote, like some form of straw man where I have to describe what you're doing and it's always going to be wrong because I don't understand it. Obviously, you're not always going to understand the other side, but you have to do your very best. If you really want to, if you really want to gain something from it, a lot of times that's not the case. People don't want to gain. People get very, very invested in misunderstanding something. It's like, I have to continue to misunderstand that. I can't start understanding that. And that's a big issue. So, I mean, I think people just approaching that stuff, sort of stuff like that genuinely. Um, because I really noticed, I was like, damn, I was like, crap, this guy doesn't have many friends. And I was like, I started noticing, I was like, well, is it really the attitude? Because he just said butterface, like he didn't say anything bad. And it's like, is he really attacking that girl? Like, no, he's letting that dad know that is arguing with him aggressively all the time that his daughter's still pushing with her arms. Like, and he works with a lot of girls and helps them and they love them. So that's not really a valid criticism. What is actually going on here? This guy's got a ton of enemies and that's what ultimately like made me like, all right, dude, like you don't understand it. So understand it. And I'll give Rich all the credit in the world. Like he told, he says to people and told me, he's like, once you, once you understand this, once you feel this, you're not going to unfeel it. And you, you know, and, you're not going to unsee it. And he was absolutely right about that. And so that's it. It's just sort of a line, I think, um, that you get past when you're, when you understand it. It's not like it has to turn into like, everything's got to be this or that. It's just, you have to understand to have the conversation. And there's a lot of people that are, that are, that are having, because we're having a general larger discussion about baseball, we're not actually always talking about this concept, the misunderstanding when the perspectives from the misunderstanding get applied elsewhere. Like when it talks, when we talk about how could it be a bad idea to practice against nastier stuff? The pitches are nastier. We got to be ready. And it's like, well, from my understanding, this is how, but you don't have my understanding. And what's your understanding? I don't have your understanding. So like, that's the first part. And whether there's agreement or not, you got to get in the, you got to really get in the weeds. I think that is critical these days because there's players from all over and to me as a hitting hitting coach like i think one of the things that teams are super sensitive i was like all these outside influences it's like yeah super easy to manage have people in house that know them not like oh and then that's the one thing like everybody will be like they'll pay lip service to all these concepts like no 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 like literally execute literally be able to do if you want to teach this kid something that you don't like what he's doing but you don't understand what he's doing, then use it like the balls to actually go in there and tell him something. You don't understand what he's doing. So you're going to tell me you're going to fly across the country to this clinic, this, this seminar, this, that, you're going to read this book. You're going to talk to this movement guy, this, that, that. but like this player, you're not going to understand what he's doing. You're not passionate enough about this. You're not doing podcasts and all this stuff. And 
you're not this obsessed with hitting it. You're going to not understand what this guy's doing. By the way, that got him all the way to this level. Come on. You know, so it's like just get people like, I think it's super important. Like uh, we get real comfortable with being where we're at and on our phone. And like when we get out of our phone and we start going to places, that's when we got to get out of our comfort zone. Uh, we can kind of do it on the phone and with the conversations like this, but like we got to move differently. We got to move across that line in person. You know what I mean? And yeah. and, and and understand. Is it, anyway, is it safe to say that we just fixed hitting Twitter? Is that? Yeah, it's fixed. <laughs> we fixed it's it. Fixed. We, we crossed the line and <laughs> found common ground. There's. It, <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's so bad right now. I've, I've, I had a New Year's a, a resolution type thing to kind of chill. It's been feeling good, but I'm kind of starting to get back. But I needed to chill as far as just – there's just a – Should we make that the title of the episode? You're welcome hitting Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that. That's great. All right. Well, it was good talking to you, Chez, and I definitely want to stay in touch. I really enjoyed our conversation. Yeah, thank yeah, you. Thanks a lot, guys. I'll, I'll touch base with you down the line, all right?